Good morning. Welcome to Behind the Scenes at the Hanover Theater. We're about halfway through our 2022-2023 Broadway season, and today's guest is from what will be our final show of the Broadway season, Jesus Christ Superstar. Today, I'm here with Kodiak Thompson. Kodiak, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. We're super excited to have you today, and thank you for joining me. I'm super excited to be talking about this show, but before we talk about the show, I would like to get to know more about you. So tell me, um, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening with you. <laughs> well, I'm currently in probably a very different climate than where you are in Hanover. I am in, or in Worcester, that is. I'm in um, Naples, Florida, and I'm on my six month on tour with Jesus Christ Superstar. This is my first national tour and I've just been loving it so far, getting to tour across America and Canada and reach audiences with this powerful piece of theater. That's so exciting. And yeah, it's super cold up here. So I'm very jealous that you're <laughs> in the warmth down there. But so I saw in your bio that you're from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Is that is that right? Yes, I grew up in small town America in Hershey, PA. I was born in DC, but my parents left the government life and raised myself and my three siblings in Hershey. And that's where I got my start um, performing at a really young age. I love that. So are you a fan of Hershey Park? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I was so lucky to grow up in Hershey because Five million tourists come from all around the world to Hershey Park every summer, but I just got to have a season pass and walk there from my house. So I spent every weekend there growing up. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. And I know <laughs> that there's some cool um, artists that perform there. So did you ever see anyone cool there? Well, we have a lot of concerts come through. So we've had everyone from <clears throat> Green Day to Billy Joel to Beyonce. Um, and I've gotten to hear them from my backyard. <laughs> oh my God, no way. That's so fun. Um, but I also read that you are trained in acting and opera and ballet. So I just want to know, how did you get your start in performing? And, you know, when did you know that this was your calling? Sure. I knew this was my calling from when I was about five years old. I was just a very expressive child, very dramatic, and my parents needed a healthy outlet for that energy other than taking it out on pranking my siblings. So when sports didn't seem to be satisfying my energetic needs, they signed me up for dance class um, and acting classes. And so from the age of six, I was doing acting improv classes in my community and from there teachers began to connect me with directors and I began performing professionally at the age of six doing regional theater in the capital of Pennsylvania. I did a Christmas Carol there as Tiny Tim, which I think so many little theater boys get their start doing that iconic role and they just get the bug. And that was my story. I just felt such a sense of community and safety in my theater family from such a young age that I never wanted to stop. It made me feel more alive than anything else and more connected to God and to my purpose on this planet, really using my natural gifts to reach audiences and feel like 
that sort of energetic exchange that can really only happen in live theater. So from then I, I expanded my dance training. I did a study abroad and studied ballet in France. And I did opera as a child as well, playing Amal in, Amal in the Night Visitors, took voice lessons, did choir throughout high school. And then when I got to my last year of high school, it just seemed like the obvious route to pursue a BFA in musical theater, which I did. And since then, I have been working professionally, which has been such a blessing. You know, the pandemic was very difficult um, because I did graduate into the pandemic. But fortunately, within six months, things were settled enough for me to begin working again. And I'm just so grateful to be back on stage. That's so incredible and so inspiring. I love that. Um, we do a Christmas carol here every year um, mm -hmm. at the theater. Our president and CEO is actually the director of A Christmas Carol. And um, I just... I know that all the kids that are in that show go on to do amazing things. And I, I think you're right. I think that that show is truly such a jumpstart for everybody. Um, and our tiny Tims are always adorable. So I yeah. love that. Oh, that makes my heart buzz. It's just such a special show. It is. It's so great. Um, but I was poking around on your website and um, you've been in some super cool things. You've been in some big names, Kinky Boots, Mamma Mia, The Little Mermaid, Guys and Dolls, Chicago, the list goes on and on. Um, <laughs> but what have been your favorite roles that you've had? Like what stands out to you on your resume? That's a great question. Every time I read my resume, I have so many feelings and flashbacks about the, the shows I've done because truly each one has been special and a, a special chapter of my life. I truly feel like I learned so much from my work and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, if I had to choose one that I thought was really, really fun that I would like to do again, maybe, I would say um, probably Bobby Child and Crazy For You because that show involves all the triple threat abilities of, you know, leading long love ballads and upbeat um, Gershwin patter songs and doing tap production numbers and comedic timing with playing two roles at once. Um, so I would probably, I would probably say that was like my favorite role that I've ever done. Uh, with a close second being Musidorus and Head Over Heels for very similar reasons, even though that that show takes place in a completely different world. Theatrically, it's it's the kind of role where you have to deal with the with the character inhabiting a different persona throughout the show and sort of going back and forth and playing with that uh, dual energy. And I've I've really enjoyed that challenge on stage. That's so cool. I mean, you just seem so multifaceted and so talented and like you've got, you know, jack of all trades um, yeah. in your back pockets. That's super cool. Thank you. Um, we've got a conservatory here at the theater um, and we we have improv classes, we have dance classes, we have acting classes, pretty much everything and anything that you can think of. 
Um, so I'm wondering, have you taken, were, were you involved in classes like that growing up? Like, I know that you were trained, but, um, I don't know, were there any specific classes that you took that sort of jump-started your career and your feelings into the performing arts? Wow, that's a great question. I'm, I'm happy to hear that young artists in your area have access to that conservatory because that's definitely what it takes to develop is a safe space to fail and to learn by just doing the craft and not trying to be perfectionistic about it. And I hope that that's something that the next generations of artists have access to even more than I did. Um, I will say one thing that I feel like taught me the most in my training was having um, improv classes where I could use my imagination and create roles or run scenes using very few um, textual clues or rules and guidelines. I think that pushed me to overcome a fear of failure and a sort of self-criticism that could have otherwise really inhibited my growth. And in today's world of permanence and especially with technology, um, I think kids run the risk of over editing themselves and jumping to a perfect product rather than trusting the process and going through the highs and lows, the good ideas and the bad ideas and letting themselves really shed layers before they get to something that they wanna share. Yeah, so I would say improv is probably the most powerful tool. Improv dance, choral singing, seeing yourself as something, part of something greater than yourself. Um, those were the most impactful to me. I love that. And I totally agree. I think that, uh, I mean, I believe it. Improv must mean so much to you just as a performer. And um, it must give you so much skills to... Um, I don't know, just be yourself on the stage and teach you about yourself as a performer. Um, but yeah, I I love the conservatory. I think it's wonderful. I mean, I'm in my 20s and I just um, started taking tap for the first time. So that's, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's fun. I think it's cool. And, um, you know, it, it shows everybody that no matter what age you are, it's never too late to you know, find yourself and find what works for you. So absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great. But um, speaking of your website, just going back to that for a second, um, this is just something I found, but I saw that you like to make homemade bread. Um, <laughs> so is that something that you picked up during the pandemic? I just thought that was so fun that you included that. <laughs> yes. Thanks for asking. No one's ever asked me about that before. <laughs> um, so during the pandemic, I had a summer off from school in between semesters, summer of 2020. There were no theaters open, so I couldn't do my usual summer performing job and just live at a theater and do a million musicals. So I had to find another productive, constructive use of my summer and my um, father had spent the past three years 
renovating our family cottage on a lake in Maine, which is actually the origin of um, On Golden Pond, which was written by my uncle. And I spent the whole summer living in that cottage and biking through the woods because I didn't have a car. <laughs> I biked four miles to a bakery, which was the only bakery open in the town because it also sold groceries. So it was allowed to stay open throughout the pandemic as a grocery store. And I would go there early in the mornings and hang out with the bread and pie bakers and learn their skills and then work my shift at the front um, in the at the register. And then I would go home and bake for all my neighbors and deliver them things around the lake. So when I got back to college, I continued baking bread as just a way to build community and bring people some joy as we quarantine throughout the rest of our college experience. That is so sweet. What a cute story. Um, that just sounds so magical. And um, I love that you were in Maine. That's uh, I'm excited for you to come to New England again. Me too. And actually, all my neighbors from around the lake are going to come to Worcester to see the show. Yay. Oh, you'll have to bring some bread. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Even the bakers are coming from the pie shop I worked at. <laughs> Stop. I love that. That is so, so cool. The yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about the show. So Jesus Christ Superstar, we um, at the Hanover Theater, we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. Um, and Jesus Christ Superstar was part of our inaugural season way back in 2008, 15 years ago. So we're super, super excited to have it back on our main stage. Um, I know it's an iconic show. And, you know, obviously, it's been around for a while. You guys are celebrating your 50th anniversary with this tour. Yes. Um but for those who haven't seen it yet, can you just can you give us like a little rundown about what it's about and what people can expect? Sure. So this is obviously an iconic piece of musical theater, but also rock. It came out in 1970 as the Brown album, and it was just a concept originally by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. And it was just an album that you'd play start to finish, about 90 minutes, that told the story of the last few days of Jesus's life with the conflict between Judas and Jesus and the intersection of their relationships with Mary Magdalene and um, the powers at play at that time in history with the Romans and the oppression of the Jewish people. So it's sort of historical, sort of biblical, and very rock and roll. <laughs> and I think it, it kind of uh, has been appealing to audiences um, on all sides of the Christian spectrum, for sure. Like we have people in the audience who are there to worship, and we have people in the audience who are just there to enjoy the music and to rock out. So um, I think that's something that really is special about this show is that it doesn't necessarily exclude anyone of any age or faith. And I've seen people from all walks of life really just enjoying the story. And it, it definitely speaks to the universal themes that everyone loves about live theater, exploring love, betrayal, friendship, the passage of time, um, mortality, divinity, and all of those universal themes. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, I think that live theater tends to have that effect of bringing people together. So I really like that. Um, and Andrew Lloyd Webber obviously has done some amazing things um, like Cats and Phantom of the Opera. Have you seen any of those? I have. I've seen Cats a bunch. I'm a dancer too, so I, I really like. I really like Cats. I think it's an interesting show for sure. Um, that's a hot take. A lot of people don't think it has enough of a plot, or um, <laughs> or very like singable music. But I always enjoyed the uniqueness of the world that they create. Um, I think that's one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's strong suits as a writer. Is he really comes up with these concepts of um, a world that the audience can lose themselves in. And this show is certainly no exception. Totally. Um, Cats was part of our Broadway season last year. Um, and I had never seen it. I didn't even know what it was about. Um, and I went in totally blind and I had such a good time. I loved it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this one too. I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar before. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited, very excited. But um, so you're playing the role of Annis. Can yes. you tell us what it's like to play this character, what your character's like, um, how you're prepared for the role, so on and so forth? Absolutely. I did not foresee myself playing this villainous role at all. <laughs> I actually auditioned for like seven roles in this show up until the final callback and I learned this material in the room at that final callback because they hadn't seen me for it yet and they taught it to me in the room and then this was the one that I was absolutely right for and now I see that but um yeah so I'm one of the high priests and along with Caiaphas we are one of the ruling powers at this point in history and our function in the show is that we feel our authority and the fiber of our society is threatened by this intense following of Jesus Christ and we're afraid of the power that he has and the the influence that he has over people and um well i won't spoil the ending <laughs> for anyone who hasn't read the bible <laughs> but but um we do everything that we can to preserve our way of life with pure intentions and i think that part is important for my um enjoyment of my role and for my full commitment to my role because in acting you can never believe that your character is the bad guy you can't believe that you're evil and that you have evil intentions i think annas and caiaphas have very pure intentions and looking at it through a historical lens they're on the wrong side of history but what they are striving to do in their minds and through their lens is the right and good thing. Wow, okay, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I just think that this is an amazing show. I think that I love the way that you see your role 
um, in the way that you describe your character. I think that's just incredible um, and very rare for people to think of, you know, villainous characters as kind-hearted. Like, that's just great. Um, <laughs> but so I want to talk about the numbers in the show and um, your favorite number in particular. Mm, I mean, I think my favorite number is probably my first song with all the priests we come down the cross which is a huge set piece our set is amazing by the way it's this like industrial chic kind of minimalistic but beautifully structured set with um an enormous steel cross that like lights up and has fog and smoke effects and it's too two levels and we have the full band on stage built into the scaffolding so you can see the instrumentalists while they're playing the show and like acting along with us it's amazing but all the priests come out in this first number which is this jesus must die and it's where we're it's like a, a rock bop like boy band number basically <laughs> and it's so fun every night in the audience just eats it up i love that i'm so excited to hear that um, and speaking of that, what is your favorite part of the show in general? Um, it doesn't have to be a part that you're in necessarily, but, you know, just a part of the show that the audience seems to really enjoy and get into the most. Mm, sure. Um, I think I really enjoy Superstar, which is one of the finale numbers, certainly the biggest final production number of the show. And without giving too much away, I think people are always really touched by this number because it makes them uncomfortable because the music is so upbeat, has this epic driving pulse and contagious melody, like it's or infectious melody that just makes you want to sing along and dance in your seat and at the same time you're watching something really really horrible and inhumane happen on stage so like what you're seeing and what you're hearing are completely different experiences and it it evokes the sort of ethical dilemma that the characters are feeling the entire show in the audience because now it's like turned on to you. Like you don't know how you feel. You don't know whether you would join the folly or fight against it because you're in a state of inner conflict, enjoying this beautiful song and watching something horrible at the same time. Wow, yeah, I have heard that song and it it's, it is a good song, but um, yeah. That's really insane. I I think that people are just going to have to come see it for themselves on our mm -hmm. stage. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited to see you on our stage as well. Um, it's been really great talking to you. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any parting words that you want to say? Any last words about the show? People need to come see it for themselves and make up their own minds about this production. It's one of the more controversial ones because it is nothing like anyone has seen before. 
However, the biggest compliment that we hear at the stage door every single night from lifelong fans of this material is that this is the best version they've ever seen. And it's not what they were expecting, but it's an angle that they hadn't considered before that brought new life to their love of this show. Amazing. I'm, I'm really glad that, um, you know, like a show that's been around for 50 years, um, sometimes it can, it can get bogged down, it can get repetitive. Um, so I think it's incredible that you're all doing something, you know, fresh with it. And it, people are still loving it just as much as they were 50 years ago. I think that's incredible. Um, Absolutely. It's been an honor to be a part of it. I love that. Well, we're very, very, very excited to welcome you back to New England, you in particular. Um, and it's just been so great talking to you. And I know that we're excited to have Jesus Christ Superstar back on our stage after 15 long years. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar will be here in Worcester at the Hanover Theater from April 27th through April 30th. Tickets start at just $39. They can be found on our website at thehanovertheater.org. And Kodiak, it has been super wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Likewise, thank you so much for having me and we'll see you soon. Yes, thank you. I will see you soon and everyone else. I will see you next week on Behind the Scenes.